Yesterday, I came back from a trip, and we were unloading our motorcycles, and a buddy of mine was having a conversation with his wife, Karen, and they were talking, and I could hear her, and she was talking kind of animated and very excited, and she's, she's mentioning the fact that she needs to get a new Bible. And he's like, well, why do you need to get a new Bible? She wanted to get a King James Version Bible. He goes, why do you get in, need to get a new Bible? And she says, well, she said, ever since the first of the year, I've been reading uh, an Old Testament chapter and a New Testament chapter. So every day, she and a couple of friends of theirs, they've been reading the Bible together. And I'm listening to this conversation. She's talking with her husband about the importance of her reading and studying. And she'd been through already through the New Testament. And I'm hearing this conversation going along. And uh, she's just talking about how she's really enjoyed reading the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then I said, hey, hey Karen, do you mind if I ask you a question? She said, no, go ahead. I said, Tell me what has reading the Bible done for you? And she paused for just a second. She said, she said, it's done two things. It's helped me to be, number one, less judgmental. And the second thing, it's helped me to be more forgiving. You see, I thought that I was a, a forgiving person. And reading the Bible every day has helped me to be less judgmental and uh, a little bit more forgiving. And she said, by the way, my, another family member that she mentioned, another family me- a member noticed there's something different about my life. And she attributed it to simply reading, meditating, and bringing the Word of God into her life. And I tell you that, that illustration because what we have today, this book will transform your life more than any other book. You know, Timmy, you're going to school. God bless you for going to school. And you're going to get a great education But don't forget this book. Don't forget the value of this book. Don't forget the foundation that this book will give you for ultimately the rest of your life. It will answer all of the hard questions in life. And and that's what I want to do this morning. I want to invite you to turn your Bible to James chapter 1, verses 19 to to 25. What we're going to do is we're going to look at one of my favorite topics. I, I love talking about the Word of God. I love it. Because regardless of who I am and irregardless of the things that you may do, if you have a habit of employing the Word of God in your life, of putting it into your life, daily reading, meditating on God's Word, apart from me, apart from our church, you can live a life that's radically different. You can be transformed by the Word of God. That's the power of the Word of God that flows into our life. And it's not just a book. It's a book that changes us on the inside. It changes how we think. It changes how we act. When all the hard questions of life come up, the philosophical questions of life come up, why am I here, what is my purpose, pain and suffering, future, all all of that, the the Bible speaks to those issues in an important way, and we need to know God's Word in our life. And one of the great blessings of knowing God's Word is that the, the Bible says this, if you will look at the Word of God and you'll bring it into your life, you're going to be effective. You're going to be successful. Oh, you may not have the big house five cars and all that, but you're going to be effective in the way that God would want you to be effective. And the Bible gives us example after example of people and circumstances who lived under the authority of God's word and their lives are radically transformed. Moses is getting ready to leave. He's dying. He's going to die. And Joshua has been around. He's been his little protege for a bunch of, uh, a bunch of years and he's getting ready to take over. Joshua, is, he's going to lead, lead millions of people into the promised land. Do you want to do that job? I don't. Joshua, chapter 1, verse 7. Remember, we don't have um, uh, uh, whatever that thing is, projector. We have, but if you, if you turn around, it's, it's right back there. So you don't, you don't have to turn around, though. You don't want to do 
but it is up there. So let me just, Joshua chapter 1, this is what God said to, to Joshua. He says this, be strong and very courageous. You're going to need that. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or to the left, that you may be, like, that you may be successful wherever you're going to go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate it on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous, and then you will be successful. God said to Joshua, listen, you've got an incredible task. Be strong and courageous. And now what you need to do is make sure you don't deviate on this journey from the right to left. Don't deviate from the blessings of the Word of God. The Pentateuch talks about the blessing of the Word of God. The Psalms speak of the blessing of the Word of God. To the very first Psalm speaks of this. I've spoken on this a couple of times. Psalm 1 says this. By the way, who wants to be blessed? I want to be blessed. Don't we all want to be? It says this. Blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. In other words, the people that you surround your life with are going to influence you. Are you going to allow them to be the influence or are you going to allow something else to influence your life? He says this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he what? He meditates day and night. In the morning and at night, what I'm going to do is I'm going to meditate. I'm going to concentrate. I'm going to think about the Word of God and the influence that it's going to have on my life. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. What the psalmist is saying is, listen, there's beauty in the word of God because what it's going to do, it's going to allow you to be successful and you're going to bear fruit in your life as you align yourselves with the principles that are in God's word. Make it, allow it to influence your life. Psalm 19, beautiful text. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. More righteous, more precious than gold, and much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from a comb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. In other words, what the Word of God does is it, it warns you in the direction that you shouldn't go, but it also tells you in the direction that you should go. It has a warning effect. And it guides us and directs us and it transforms our lives and who we are, what we would want to be doing, and, and how we would please God and what He would want for us. And one last text from the book of Isaiah. So I was away this past week, and I was in a field, and it was just, was just the, the uh, sun was down, and I could look up, and I could see the stars, and I could, and I could see the little dipper, little dippers up there. And I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. So I came home, and I Googled, how far is the little dipper from Earth? It's from 325 to 425 light years away. I have no idea how far that is. You know, somebody put it online. Show me. Show. I have no idea. But the little dipper's up there. It's way up there. Isaiah chapter 55. Thinking of that context, notice what it says. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, 
but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the very purpose from which I send. God is, is up in the heavens. He's transcendent. He's way up there. But we need God's word in our life so that we know how to relate to him. We have this wonderful, beautiful God. His thoughts and ways are way beyond our comprehension. But we now we have is a, a God who's revealed himself to us in his word so that we can know him. As a matter of fact, Jesus comes in the incarnation, the, the word made flesh to reveal God to us. He says, listen, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have an ultimate, close, intimate relationship with you. Will you just look at my word and all that I've given you and, and how we respond? So what I want to do today is I want to look from the book of James. And what I want to do is I want to pull out three principles for relating to God's prince, uh, 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 message to us, God's word to us. And, and, the, and these are the three principles. First of all, there, there are roadblocks in our life that are going to hinder us from responding to God's word. We need to remove those roadblocks. Second thing we need to do is we need to receive God's word. We need to receive God's word. Last thing we need to respond. So roadblocks, receive, respond. That's kind of where we're going this morning. So let's remove the roadblocks. Look at verse 19. In 21, in James chapter 1, notice what James writes. My dear brothers, take note of this. In other words, I've got really something important. Put this at the top of your list. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. God desires that you and I to live a righteous life. How do we live that righteous life? James is going to answer that by saying, listen, you need to be a doer of the word. You need to respond to the word. The word of God is implanted in your very heart and very soul. It will transform you. It will change you. The way to live that righteous life is to make sure that God's word is a part of our life. Therefore, verse 27, 21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word implanted in your life. So what we have here is this, that, that James is saying, listen, I want you to, to pay attention to this. Take note of this. In other words, something really, really important here. And what he wants us to do ultimately is humbly accept the word that has been implanted of you. Later on, he's going to talk in verse 22. I, I want you to be a doer of the word. In other words, I don't want you to just be a, a hearer of the word. I want you to be a doer of the word. I want you to incorporate the Word of God into your very life so that you can live that righteous life that's described here. And what we see in these verses is we see a bunch of roadblocks. In other words, a roadblock stops us from responding to the Word of God. I think we do that sometimes. God, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do this, even though it's clearing God's Word. There's some roadblocks here that we need to bust through. Roadblock number one is this. We become inattentive to the Word of God. We just become inattentive. Maybe you don't even read the Word of God. Maybe the only time the Word of God is in front of us is when you come here on a Sunday morning. We never open the Word of God and ask the Spirit of God to speak to us and reveal Himself to us. Look at verse 19. Let everyone what, be, be quick to listen. What, what James is talking about, listen, you need to open yourself up, open your heart up, open your mind up to, to hearing the Word of God, to listening to the Word of God, to listen sharply to the Word of God. Are you putting yourself in a place where the Word of God is maybe being taught to you, being presented to you? Or do we just kind of go through the most, well, it's Sunday morning, I've been here, done that. Been through the book of James, I'm just going to check out. Or you go to a Bible study, we kind of check out. Or maybe what we begin to do is we, just, we begin to, to read the Word, and, and we don't even think, contemplate what we're reading in life. A, a key theme in this text is this. Listen. 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 Three times he says that. It's the idea of not just listening with the ears, but listening to your heart. Why is that? 
Because we can be deceived. That's what the text says. It talks about being deceived so that you're not deceived. Deception is this, this idea of, of, of not knowing what's going on. That it means to be cheated or, or falsely reasoned. In other words, we can cheat ourselves. We can falsely reason. How do we do that? We become deceptive in knowing what the Word of God has to say in our life. That's why we need the Word of God in our lives to, to give us the guidance and the direction that we need. And we do that by becoming unattentive. Are you listening to the Word of God, responding to the Word of God in an appropriate way? Or is it just something that's become a habit for you to do? Don't cheat yourself by being inattentive to the Word of God. Remove that roadblock. A second roadblock is this. It has the idea of restraint, of not exercising restraint in our life. Verse 19 says this, Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak. Some people never stop talking. They're always talking. They've got an excuse for this, or maybe they're gossiping about this, or they're telling another story, but they're not allowing themselves to stop and listen to what the Word of God actually has to say in their life. Maybe they're flying off the handle or doing something else. So they're not listening to what the Word of God would have us to do and how we respond in life. What's interesting in the book of James, over and over, James looks back to the Old Testament, looks back to like wisdom literature. That's why we're looking at this. Wisdom for living, wisdom literature, the book of Proverbs. I wonder in James' mind if he doesn't have Proverbs chapter 16, verse 19 in mind where he says this. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who what? Holds his tongue is wise. Sometimes we just need to stop and listen and keep the word of God in front of us and allow it to speak to our hearts. I'm not going to complain about this person. I'm not going to gossip about this person. I'm not going to make excuses for my life. I'm not going to talk. What I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to what God would have to say. Spirit of God, will you speak to me today and reveal yourself to me? One of my favorite verses. Open my eyes from the book of Psalms. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your words. Somebody was mouthing the back there. What What a great prayer. It's like when I walk up here. God, open my eyes so I can see things that nobody else sees because they're revealing the God who's high and lifted above and exalted. That's the God I want to know, and I want him to reveal those things to me. So what we need to do is we need to exercise restraint at times to make sure we're not doing things and and blocking the word of God being uh, given into our life. The third thing is this. There's a lack of self-control. Sometimes there's a lack of self-control in life. We just kind of react and do things. Well, verse 19, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You ever get angry? Ever flap the handle? Well, no, I don't do that. Well, let me ask you, what about in your heart? You ever get angry in your heart? Have this kind of seething little stuff that boils over on your side that manifests itself, maybe not yelling, screaming, but it manifests itself, manifests itself in another way. That's a great blockage to listening to the Word of God, putting yourself, putting what, what I desire above everything else. I'm putting myself and my desire and what I want above everything else, and I become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. In other words, we're looking at what we want to do is we want to live the righteous life that God desires. And sometimes that idea of anger stops us. And maybe it's not anger, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's another emotion that's seething below the surface that you can't get a hold of. And what it does is it blocks our receptivity to the Word of God and how God would like to speak to us and encourage us. Will Rogers once said this. He said, 
People who fly off into a rage always make bad landings. Isn't that interesting? We fly off in a rage. And how many times do we crash and make the situation worse? Why? Because we've not exercised some kind of self-control. So what James is talking about is, listen, you've got to remove those roadblocks. Make sure that you're attentive to God's word. Make sure that you're exercising restraint. Make sure you're exercising self-control. And the last roadblock we need to get rid of is this. Sin. Sin. When was the last time you stood before the Lord and said, Lord, I've blown it. And use the S word. Sin. Lord, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against my wife. Sin against my spouse, sin against a friend. We don't use those words anymore. We just don't do that. And, and what he's talking about, he said, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is prevalent in, within you. You know the idea of moral filth? You know what filth means? The filth has the idea of earwax. When you have wax in your ear, what does it do? It blocks you from hearing the word of God. We need to get rid of the moral filth. We need to get rid of that earwax in our lives so that we can open ourselves up to be transformed by hearing the word of God and responding to the word of God, the beauty of the word of God, because of who it reveals. The word made flesh, Jesus. This book reveals Jesus to us. Isn't that awesome? Soren Kierkegaard says this about the word of God. When you read God's word, you miss... Be constantly reminding yourself, it's talking to me about me. It's talking to me about me and my relationship with God. Not necessarily about how I can be the most effective person, the more successful person. It does in the sense of doing what God would have us to do and walking in obedience to becoming conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ and becoming like who he is and changing us on the inside. Martin Luther, we all know him, said this, for some years now, I have read through the Bible twice every year. You ever, do you know how hard that is? It's not easy a task to do. It takes some time. If you picture the Bible to be a mighty tree and every word a little branch, I've shaken every one of those branches because I wanted to know what it was and what it meant. Shaking the word of God so that we can know more about the nature and the character of who God is, what he's done for us, and this beautiful person by the name of Jesus who wants to transform our lives. So let me ask you, what are the roadblocks in your life that are hindering you from moving ahead in your relationship with God? Did you have those quiet times of listening and reading, meditating on God's Word? Or are you in a context where maybe you're around other people and you're, you're relating to each other in God's Word and you're sharing God's Word together and you're talking about God's Word together? You're being as iron sharpens iron together, building each other up. We need to remove the roadblocks in our life. Second thing we need to do is this. We need to receive the word of God. We need to receive God's word. Notice what he says. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Verse 25, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He's talking about humbly receiving the word of God. He's talking about being a doer of the word of God. Receiving and responding to God's word, God says. Let me ask you, how many text messages do you get a day? I get more and more. 
I get text messages from my wife. I get text messages from my family, friends. I get text messages from the guy who wants to buy my house real cheap. I, I get, uh, seriously, I get a text message from the guy, $865 this year, you overpaid for insurance. Whoa, great, I'm pushing that button. No, I'm not doing that. You know, it's a scam. There's a sense of priority in the messages that we get. What, what James is saying, listen, this is a priority in your life. Humbly accept, place yourselves under the authority of God's word. That's what humbly accept means. In submission to God's word, God's word says this, I'm going to do this, even when it doesn't feel good. Even when my emotions and my desires and all, even when I'm raging on the inside thinking that I want to do this, he's saying no. Voluntarily place yourself in submission under the authority of God's word in our life. Listen, we live in a day and age where people don't have any kind of authority. They have become their own authority in life. The Bible simply says, humbly accept the Word of God. That will what? Save you. In other words, the Word of God points in the direction that God would have us. There's a great illustration of what humbly accepting the Word of God in in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Let me just read the verse. I want to be like this. I want to be like the Bereans. It says this. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received... The message with great eagerness. What a characteristic. Examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Paul, okay, I'm listening to you. I know you're in connection with God. I know that your life has radically been changed by the person of Jesus Christ. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to put what you you say here, and I'm going to put the scriptures together, and I'm going to make sure that those things go together. Because the word of God is absolutely, incredibly important in my life. Even they began to question what was going on because they wanted to know the absolute truth of what Paul had to say. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this about the Word of God, the importance, the significance of the Word, and how it transforms us. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know how you operate. The Bible can shape our thoughts and intentions in a way that nothing else can. It can go right. It can pierce right to the very heart. Hebrews 4 says this, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, I think one of the reasons why we don't like to read the word of God on a daily basis is because we don't want it to tell us how to live. We feel like, oh, I'm not accountable to that if I don't read it and meditate and study it. If I just keep it over there and I just keep doing the right things, Talk about judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Dealing with us on the inside. Christ wants to transform us on the inside to become conformed to the very image of Jesus. How does he do that? He uses God's word to speak to us and challenge us and help us to be the kind of person that he would have us to be. James, practically thinking, what does this look like? Let me give you three ways that I think people can receive the word of God. Number one, meditate. Look at verse 25 but the one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. You know what that word looks intently? It means this. It means to stoop over and look inside. The resurrection Sunday, Peter runs to the, runs to the tomb. John sent on the outside. What does Peter do? Zing! 
right inside. What did he do? He runs inside to look intently. He wants to check it out. That's what the word means. It means to, to, to meditate. It means to look at, to hang on to the Word of God, to stoop down and look at it and pine it so that absolutely transformed to pour over it, to think through it as you read and study and meditate. And maybe you're reading through the Psalms and you're going, there's a prayer here for me. But I'm, not, I'm not going to pray with this psalmist is praying here. Maybe there's something else. I'm, I'm meditating. I'm allowing the Word of God to change and transform my life on the inside. One man said this, he said, It is possible to be unfailingly regular in Bible reading, but to achieve no more than than to have moved the bookmark forward. This is reading unrelated to an unattentive spirit. Man, I don't want to do that. Not when we have the wonder and the beauty of God's word unfolded before us that tells us about who Jesus is and what he's done. And what James says is, let's look intently, pine the word of God, meditate on it. Allow it to change your life. Maybe there's an issue that you're struggling with. Maybe you need to bring that to the Lord, bring that to the Spirit of God, and ask Him to change you. That's what the Word of God will do. It'll radically change your life. That's what Karen was talking about. I'm less judgmental. I'm more forgiving. Why? Because I'm reading the Word of God. I'm allowing the Word of God to transform my life. I'm allowing the Word of God to change me on the inside. Men, are we leading, are we leading our families the way that we should? Parents, are you, are you modeling what the Word of God is and living under the authority of God's Word? Are you, are you modeling that? I read a statistic that three-quarters of young people are walking away from the church. They're walking away. They call it deconstructing your faith. I want to do a series on that. There's six, six principles of how people deconstruct their faith. And that's what people are doing. They're walking away from their faith. I'm shocked. I'm like, I don't want that to be a part of our... I, I don't want that from Timmy. I break my heart. He went to Iowa State and all of a sudden gets in his first class. And by the way, this happens. He gets in his first class and they start talking about, well, the Bible's full of errors. It's written by men. He comes home one day and says, well, I don't believe that anymore. I break your heart. I grew up in our church playing here. We need to live and meditate and, and ask the hard questions of life so that we have the answers. There are hard questions out there. Pain and suffering, yeah, that's a hard question. Evil, yeah, incredibly difficult question. But the, the Word of God provides a framework, a worldview for how we can operate in that way. And are we gripping ourselves with the Word of God in such a way that answers those questions in such a, a good way, a healthy way that we know? Listen, don't go through the motions. Just because you've been going to church for 20 years, don't go through the motions that have been there, done that. Read through the Bible last year. Take some time to put the Word of God in front of you and to meditate on it and ponder it. Meditate on God's Word. Second thing is this. Methodically study the Bible. Study the text. Look at verse 25. But the one who looks intently, we looked at that, you're looking into it, at the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this. What are you doing? You're continuing to do this. I've made it a pattern in my life. I'm going to employ the Word of God, and I'm going to remind myself of the Word of God, and I'm going to continue to do this. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep moving forward day after day, step after step. Don't give up in studying that. Have a methodical way of studying the Bible. Maybe it's a book of the Bible. Maybe it's a theme of the Bible. That's why we're trying to reboot here in in September. I I think we've missed something. We've missed coming together and sharing God's Word together. We've missed that community aspect. 
We miss the iron, sharpening iron kind of stuff that goes on. Somebody's struggling over here, somebody's struggling over here, and we come alongside and we help each other in the midst of life. It, you know, it's, it's, don't let the virus, don't let the virus be an excuse for you. That's what I would say. Don't let the virus be an excuse for you to be maybe lazy or complacent. I'm not saying don't, don't take precaution. I'm just saying don't. It, it, hey, the human heart, we can, do the, we can rationalize a lot of things, can't we? And, and what James is simply saying, have a methodical way of studying the Word of God. A guy who radically changed my life, two men, I've, I've told you this before, John MacArthur and Dave Hawking. And what these two men gave me was a love for the Word of God. Love for the Word of God transformed my life. John MacArthur says this, I have found that my spiritual growth is directly proportionate to the amount of time and effort I put into the study of Scripture. And this has proven to be the best for me. It's the best way for me. Now, I realize he's a pastor and he's a teacher and he gets paid to do that. But I don't think he's talking just that way. He's talking about life transformation. He's talking about answering the hard questions in life. He's talking about allowing the Word of God to transform his life. So we meditate on God's Word. That's how we receive it. We we methodically study God's text. Last thing is it's memorized. When was the last time you memorized a verse? Well, I did that when I was in kindergarten, in junior, in, in junior church or whatever. Sometimes when we get older, we think like, well, I've, I've done that before. I've, I've put in all hard work. We did this book of Colossians. I had to memorize chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Since then, you've been raised up with Christ. Set your mind, your heart on the things above where Christ is. I, I had to memorize that verse. Why? Because if I'm going to teach it to you, and I'm, going to say, and I'm going to say, look up to Jesus. Allow your mind and your heart to be transformed by Jesus. I'm going to challenge you. I need to know that verse. I want to know that verse. And I can't tell you how many times I'm going through life, and life is difficult, and all of a sudden, since then, you've been raised up with Christ. Set your heart on the things above where Christ is. Set your mind on the things above and not on the earthly things. Because it transforms your life. Listen, if you're dealing with an issue, maybe an anger issue, maybe a sin issue, maybe you're dealing with a, a personal pornography issue, maybe you need to employ the Word of God in your life to transform you and to change you on the inside, to methodically study God's Word and to memorize God's Word so it helps you to be and do what you want it to be, to change us on the inside. That's the power of God's Word. And we need God's Word to do that. I need God's Word to do that in my life. How many times when you're going through a life issue and life is difficulty and challenging, and all of a sudden a verse pops up? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your, you give your request to God. God's word, in tune with God's spirit, speaks to us in a mighty, in a powerful way, and it brings back to us truth, God's truth, and transforms and changes us. So we've removed, we've removed the, the obstacles. We talked about that. We receive God's text through the, the, the meditation of God's word, for the methodical study of God's word, the memorizing God's word. And last thing is if we just need to respond to God's word. That's what he wants us to do, to be a doer of the word. Are you a doer of the word? Verse 22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. And so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, it's like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Why do we have a mirror? Why do you have a mirror? Well, I have a mirror on my motorcycle so, in our car so we can look behind us and see behind us. 
I have a mirror in my, my bathroom so I can see what I need to change and how I need to shave. I have a mirror to change. I have a little mirror that I keep in the garage when I drop things down really fine, and I do that all the time. It drops and I can put it in, I can find things. A mirror helps us. A mirror is designed to change the circumstances. You know, when you have broccoli in your teeth, don't you want to look at a mirror and go, oh, man, how long have I had that in there? A mirror is designed to point out things in our life. And he's talking about the Word of God pointing out things in our life that need to be changed. But the, one who, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, this man is going to be blessed. Don't you want to see blessing in your life? Man, I sure do. Be a doer of the word of God. I want to share a, an illustration from you. There's a man who, I don't know how to say his name, Muhammad El Aran, and, and he was a, a leader in an organization called PIMCO, and um, he resigned his position. And reflecting on why he resigned, uh, he wrote an article. And this is the gist of the article and why he resigned. This is what he said. He said, about a year ago, I asked my daughter several times to do something, brush her teeth, I think it was, with no success. I reminded her that it was not so long ago that she would have immediately responded, and I wouldn't have had to ask her multiple times. She would have known from my tone of voice that I was serious. She asked me to wait a minute, went to her room and came back with a piece of paper. It was a list that she had compiled of the important events and activities that I'd missed due to my work commitments. Talk about a wake-up call. The list contained 22 items from her day at school, first day of school, first soccer match of the season to a parent-teacher counseling a meeting into a Halloween parade, and the school wasn't over yet. I felt awful and got defensive. I had a good excuse for each missed event, travel, important meetings, urgent phone call, sudden to-dos. But it dawned on me that I was missing an infinitely important point. As much as I could rationalize it, and I rationalize it, my work-life balance had gotten way out of whack, and the imbalance was hurting my very special relationship with my daughter, and I was not making nearly enough time for it. We have to be careful what we allow to influence our lives. There's a lot of important things out there. There is no doubt about it. A lot of really important things that you and I need to be engaged in. But don't forget the important things. And I believe the Word of God is absolutely critical to our lives. Allowing the Word of God to transform us on the inside will help us to be effective, help us to be successful in life. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world, and you and I need to be anchored in the Word of God. We need to be doers of the Word of God. Notice what it talks about. It says it talks about the perfect law that gives freedom. The Bible doesn't bind us up. It frees us up. I'm free in Jesus. I'm free to walk about in Jesus. Why? Because my sin has been forgiven. And what the Word of God does, it points me in the right direction. It's like a GPS for my life. When we are leaving from one direction to go to the other direction, we're looking at which way do we go. You get on the Google Maps or you get on Waze and you point it in and it gives you three ways to get home. And then you hit the button and you go. I follow that GPS home. The Bible is the GPS for my life. It helps me to answer the hard questions in life. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that the Word of God is there so that it changes us and transforms us on the inside. 
I want us, as we get ready to end the summer, to be reminded of don't give up in allowing the Word of God to influence your life. If there are roadblocks, if there's issues in your life that you need to deal with, deal with them. Get your Bible out, sit before the Lord, grab a cup of coffee and say, Lord, I need to deal with this. On my trip, I said, Lord, what do I need to leave here? What do I need to leave here? I don't want to come back with this. I want to leave it here. I want to change. I want to be a different person. I want to be a better, I want to be a better spouse. I want to be a better grandfather and father. I want, to, I want to be better. And you're the one that can do that. Find that time to do that. Meditate on that. Find the Word of God in your life in such a way that you can be consistent in your study. And then be a doer of a word. Listen, the Word of God tells us to do something. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's not test God and what he would have for us. Let's be people who respond to the Word of God. And that's what James would have us to do. Wisdom for living. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. Father, I thank you for the incredible privilege that I have this morning to simply speak the Word of God. It is not my Word, it is your Word. And your Word is truth. Sanctify them in your truth, Lord. Father, the disciples looked at all the people walking away and running away from Jesus after some hard things. And the disciples simply said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. And Father, I pray that you would give us boldness, that you would encourage us, you would help us to be men and women of principle, looking at the word of God and what it would do for our lives. And Father, I think of Timmy and I think of all of our young people. And God, I pray that you'd protect them. I pray that you would keep them safe. I pray that you would surround them with godly men and women and you would allow the word of God to be prominent in their lives. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.